Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom, mm. we're on. And today's guest, we've got Danny Christie. Yes, James. Big Paul Venice. How are you, yes. Paul? Good, mate. Good to see you. First and foremost, lads, first of all, coming back on the show. Done two podcasts with you before, talking about your life, everything you've done. <coughs> Very popular podcasts, and over a half a million views between you. Not I mean that. This is what it's all about. But for the two of to be here today, a fighting man's table, not just in a ring, but also outside. Because I know you've had your battles, your struggles. But two, uh, two men who I respect very highly from what you came from and what you're doing now, man. It's unbelievable. Danny, you've just won your first pro fight. Bare knuckles, is that correct? Yeah. And Paul, mate, world champion kickboxer. You battled with addiction and stuff. You had a wee relapse there, which we'll touch on, but it's good to have you two on. And I think this, again, will be another powerful discussion. How are you, brother? Mate, I'm brilliant. Listen, first of all, you know, very privileged, proud to be coming back. You know, you don't have... Don't see too many people doing part twos and that, so you know I'm honoured, um, and I'm brilliant. You know I've never never been better. Obviously, last time we met, it was the start of the journey for me. You know I think I was ten days clean or something. A few bumps in the road since then, but um, I'm doing well. Some good clean time behind us. You know, loving the fellowship, loving the program, and just loving life at the minute. Never better. Mm -hmm. How about yourself, Paul? I uh, doing all right, James. Um, busy. A lot of things going on. Uh, but like I said, appreciate you having us on. I appreciate you having us back, James. Uh, a couple of hiccups, a couple of, you know, things that didn't go quite my way. And, yeah, I relapsed, I went out. But I'm back. I've got clean time under my belt and, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? We live and learn. Exactly. I mean, all we can do is flip the chapter. Yeah. Same as yourself, Danny. <clears throat> like, when you probably first come on, Thirdly, <coughs> unknown name. Obviously, you've had a wee bit of social media <coughs> presence for the shit that you've done, but now it's a clean living, it's a positive living, you're making changes, you're becoming a better individual. That a lot of people would have probably sat here watching when you first came on, you probably think he's never fucking changing. Nearly a year later, you've you've won a fight at we fight at Wembley. Yeah. But you're still clean, you're bang on it, and you're still everything you're doing is 
hitting new heights like how was it to to have stayed on that path um ultimately rewarding but you know not always easy uh changed everything you know changed absolutely everything people i knock around with places i go slowly you know tried my best to get my mindset over to a positive place which isn't always easy is it but you know right now as it stands I'm definitely the best version of myself ever you know i'm the enduring the longest stint of clean time i've ever had since i was about 11 year old so that feels good obviously still relatively early on in you know in the journey of self-discovery but a lot of new things you know a lot of new feelings new like frequencies we'll call them you know mm -hmm. positive and happy 85 90 percent of the time <laughs> you know and I'll, I'll take them numbers yeah, because we're human, we're always going to, happiness isn't a 24-7 thing, it's not something that we can all skip around the road, down the road and feel life is amazing, like, we all struggle, we all battle, we've all had that life where, that's and I still fucking struggle, and everything's going great from the outside, but it's up here, there's mm -hmm. a shouting and screaming ever stop, of course it doesn't, but I do things to try and quiet those noises, quiet those screams, like, how was it for you when you started to make those changes from running out of prison, fighting all the time? Like, even you look at your old videos, it was all <coughs> anger, it was all frustration, but the only person you're really angry with is yourself. Like, what was yeah. that moment for you to go, right, I need to change here, and you've stuck to it? You know, first of all, it started wanting to get into recovery, recovery desperately at uh, the last day of the year, last year. <coughs> that was, you know, I'd had enough. I needed to surrender, and, you know, and I did. But it was ultimately for me that the do or die was my last relapse just over seven months ago, my pal's funeral, you know, a uh, good pal of mine who will be sadly missed. And um, I went down, you know, all the old faces were there and I went down just for one, as you do, and, and I come round five days later, but you know, deep reflective state really, <clears throat> thinking of, you know, my funeral. You know, I couldn't get it out of my head, mate, you know, my funeral. Having my loved ones sat where I was sat, you know, I really, uh, really hit home. You know, and you, I'm rolling the dice every time I go on it, mate, and you know, the sort of amounts and what I put myself through. So that was it for me, you know, and that was it. You know, I've, I was in recovery, <clears throat> but up until after that relapse, I wasn't uh, taking the action that I'm taking now, you know, um, attending as many meetings as I can doing the step work and, you know, giving it me everything, which beforehand I wasn't, you know, it was something I was very attracted to, but still kind of felt I had one foot, you know, gone in the other direction. So I give it everything I had and you now as it stands, I'll go to any lengths to stay clean, you know, mm -hmm. and like you said, that voice, that voice is still there to, to, to fuck on my voice, you know, cause it's my voice. It's actually my tone and pitch. It's me speaking inside me own head, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. a voice, which I've got no control over. But uh, now and lately, I'm just like, aye, thanks for that. Yeah. I'll take it from here. But yourself, Paul, I know you relapsed. Like, how long were you off it before? <coughs> it was seven years. Seven years, clean and sober. And that was the first? <coughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I've been in fellowship for <clears throat> 15 years. You know, like in and out. But when I finally got it, it was like Danny said there, wanting to live, you know not wanting to listen to that voice in my head that was telling me that was a piece of shit, do you know what I mean? Like, didn't deserve to live. And I believed it because most days I didn't want to be here. 
Do you know what I mean? And last time I was on here, I shared about my experience of trying to take my own life. And that was one of the first times, apart from speaking to my sponsor, it was the first time that I'd shared that with, with anyone. You know, my mum and dad didn't know no one. I didn't want anyone to know, but it just it was the time and the place, and I felt it was right, and I did, and I shared it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's like Danny said there, what's on offer for that for, for being clean and living clean? Do you, the, what the program offers is the rewards are, are, are worth more than any type of money or any material things. It's just you know waking up and wanting to live, waking up and having a choice whether you want to use or you don't. You know, like mm -hmm. oh, I mean, I don't want to use here. Do you know what? You don't have to. And that's because of the, of the tools you take from, from recovery, from Narcotics Anonymous, you know? And it's the only thing that will ever work for addicts because you're either going to use till you die or you're going to do something drastic where you're removed from society or, or you're dead, you know? And I knew the path that I was going down was life, life in jail, or I'm going to die. You know, and it was one of the two. Mm -hmm. The moment I got into recovery and started to learn you know, what was on offer, what, was, what, what, what you can take from here, and it's free, you know, it was, it's a no-brainer. I say it's a no-brainer, but it's still fucking hard, isn't it? Like you said there, mm -hmm. because my disease of addiction and my mental health is disguised in my voice, you know, and it, it's hard not to listen to your own voice sometimes because, you know, we think we're right all the time, don't we? Do you know what I mean? Well, I do anyway. <clears throat> and most of the time it was my way or the highway. So when my voice, when my addiction is speaking to me in my voice, again, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then I slowly learned that, you know, that first idea, that first voice, that first thought, it's not a fucking good idea, <laughs> you know, but then I, I, as I got further in reco recovery and started to surround myself with, you know, things change, don't it, Dan? Like, mm -hmm. you're tasting music, you know, and I know it sounds so cliche, but even the birds sing. The, do you know what, right? I used to have this tree in the, on my front, you know, when I when I we lived in, in this street, I was in Pym Street, and I never, ever noticed it until I got clean. I'd been living in this street for about 10 years. And when I walked out and seen this tree, it was, you know, it was pink and there was blossom on it. And I was like, wow, mm -hmm. shouting my lassie, look at this tree. And she's like, yeah, it's been there for ages. Mm. I was, but it was just, the appreciation of this tree was, was just, was, was then. And, and, I, and it, it was, it felt nice, do you know, just because it was normal, do you know? And, and I'd never felt normal ever in my life, mm -hmm. but that's what recovery gave me, you know, a bridge to a normal living in it, you know? Yeah. So a big strong man like yourself, <clears throat> kickboxing world champion, respected, like, when you've got demons in your head telling telling you to kill yourself, like how hard is that, Paul? That like, from somebody who's alpha male, for people who probably look up to you and <clears throat> for inspiration and think, nah, nothing would break him. But yet you're thinking inside, I don't want to be here. How is that as a man? It's de it's it's demoralising. It, it it's it makes me feel weak. It makes me feel ashamed. It makes me feel embarrassed, and it makes me feel afraid. You know, that's how it made me feel. Today it doesn't. You know, because I'm all. Deep down, I was born different. You know that that I was, you know, I was always not wired upright. You know, so for me to now, when it enters me head, you know, I'm able to live with that. I'm able to not feel weak or, sh or ashamed of, of me thinking this way because recoveries give me the tools to be proud of the way I am. You know, you know, be grateful for being an addict, and that was something that I'd never ever thought I would say because I want to die because I'm an addict here. No, no, be grateful for it. You know, and now when I notice that, you know, I'm having a bad day or. You know, it only takes an argument with my missus over the pots or something like that to the point where I go, it used to be, I want to use, I want to go out and get fucked up and get seshed. Where now it's just like, just go, just go kill yourself. You know, and, and it goes straight to there because I think, well, the drugs are going to kill me. So I skip all that fucking turmoil and all that destruction and just go straight to the point where I think, I'm going to die, I'm going to die and it's going to be your fault, you bitch. You know, and, and, and that never leaves. But 
I learned to live with that now. Do you know what I mean? When I don't have to act on that. You know, I always remember someone saying, Paul, you aren't your thinking, you know. I was thinking, because I remember stressing out, thinking, fuck, I still feel like chilling people, or I still feel like strangling my lass, or, you know, I feel like telling the kids to fuck off. And he's like, don't worry about it. I said, yeah, but I'm working hard to be a good lad, to be a good person. He goes, yeah, well, you are. Have you done any of them things? I go, no. He goes, well, you aren't your thinking. Thank God for that. And I thought, oh, fucking hell, I am as well. And you know why I know I am? Because I'm still here, I'm still alive. Because <laughs> yesterday I didn't want to be here. <clears throat> but today I am. Do you know? Yeah. So having to deal with, with, with the way I am and the way my head is, it's easy now. It's easy because I know what I am. No, there's no denial going on. There's no shame. There's no, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing. I know what I am. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm happy that I know what I am because I, I, can, I can live each day as it comes. Yeah. Know what I am. What about yourself, Danny? Have you ever thought about ending it? It's crossed my mind a few times, you know, but just usually in the darkest hours when, you know, I'm usually set to end up sitting on my own in some kitchen or some bedroom or some hotel or something, you know, when I was that person who just never went home, you know. Always ended up on my own, going from venue to venue, trying to keep the party going. Eventually, you end up, you know, very lonely, don't you? And very sad. And I've thought about them things. I've never took action with any of them, but <clears throat> definitely crossed my mind a few times, you know. And it's not nice. Usually, I end up just crying myself into a stupor, you know. For the life that you're living now, to the life that you used to live, like, do you look back and think, "Fuck me, that"? Because we've all got potential. That's for anybody watching or listening. Like, everybody's got potential. Potential to be something. Potential to have fucking belief in your life potential to raise the bar to whatever level you want to live it like like i say a lot of people who knew you from the past to then seeing you now they would think fuck me i never ever thought that that would happen like what do you think when you look back and think fuck me that like, because you've got potential to be anything like yeah. you're, you're clearly proving it love clean life better father better person to yourself better person to to this, whatever this life has offered you that like, mm -hmm. how do you think when you look back at it all um proud you know I'm proud of myself <clears throat> i owe a lot of thank yous to a lot of people you know especially the program and god of my understanding you know i'm in good hands you know i'm really in good hands um but watch the video maybe five weeks ago or something someone put it on it was an old video of me tearing about in the flat ripping my top off and throwing punches into midair and, and i just lost it mate I ended up crying i was crying on that video I wasn't speaking to my mum at that point and I knew my mum was watching them videos. So I kind of, you know, begged a bit for forgiveness really in that video to my mum, you know, I wanted to speak to us and I ended up in prison, just, you know, a couple of days after that. <clears throat> but looking back at that, first of all, I, you know, I, I really recognised that person, you know, it was like, almost like it was still there, but... <coughs> Not, no, no, any of the surface, you know, and I, I just looked at this lunatic that was pacing about this flat, throwing punches in midair and that, and uh, I was just like, wow, you know, because the changes, they come little by little, don't they? They come step by step, you know, an inch at a time, if you like. And to look back on that, you know, it was like, it was, it was like, wow, you know, but I still felt, I still really identified with that person who was me, you know, I still really identified with with the pain and the suffering and the negativity and that I was going through and <clears throat> all the doubts and the fear and everything really, you know, I, I identified with it because it's me, isn't it? You know, and it was my, that's my story. And that was me, you know, a bit of a bad day at the office. But, um, what do you think triggered that? That day? Oh, it was a concoction of things, you know, everything, mainly me, 
you know, mainly me and my failure to deal with things, you know, appropriately. Um, anger being the first go-to emotion for everything, you know. I could get praised or I could get applauded or I could, someone could say something nice and, you know, I might still fathom away to be angry over that. But, um, you know, today's very different. I keep saying I'm the best version of myself and I say that every week. Mondays are big for me, you know. Really like Mondays. Monday morning's where it's at for me, you know, I get up and, you know, I pray. I meditate, you know, and I'm very grateful. You know, I probably spend the first 10 minutes of every morning just saying thank you. You know, thank you. Uh, thank you for everything that I've got. You know, thank you for the person I am. Thank you for being guided, protected, for the strength I've been given, you know, for the clean time and, you know, everything else that goes with it. Got some nice, shiny material things as well, which have a certain value for here and now, but, you know, I realise you can't take none of this stuff with you. Um, relationships I've got at the minute in comparison to how I was then you know they're planets apart it's like night and day you know proper deep meaningful you know loving relationships I love and I'm loved you know and that's you know that's what it's all about for me you know how are you dealing with the praise people saying well done I'm like, proud of you like, I know you met a fan in Ed what, Edinburgh or somewhere and yeah. somebody wanted to meet you like again usually if somebody wants to meet you back in the day when you're active it's for a fucking scrap or mm -hmm. to get money that you owe them like how are you dealing with the positive side of things uh you know quite well I, it's new you know it's definitely new so you know with it being new i'm trying to uh you know somehow adapt or find a, a way to be you know with that it's uh i'd be lying if i said it wasn't flattering you know it is it is flattering but um you know, it's not what i set out for not that i dislike it in any way because i don't but I started this documentary journey on YouTube to, you know, portray me generally in recovery and self-discovery and, you know, some really met some really nice people along the way. And it's, you know, it is nice, it is flattering, but, you know, I don't often know how to deal with it. I've, it's nice to get praised, I suppose, but, you know, one, it's not what I set out for, you know, and, by saying this, I am very grateful for it, and I would, and I would never take it away. But you know, I'm not, I don't need pats on the back for what I say and do. You know, but if I can get the messages where the messages and comments and inboxes, not that I do get when people say I've inspired them to to get in a gym or to get into recovery or to get clean time and that, you know, them messages, you know, really make the whole thing worthwhile. You yeah. know, they really do. Even though it's not what I set out for, it's like, wow, you know, I'm making a difference here, even if it's on a small level or an individual level or, you know, it's, it's yeah. very nice. Mm -hmm. It's powerful, isn't it? You know why? It is. Because there is them old videos still going about with him. Mm -hmm. This fucking mad, erratic Danny. Well, even I commented, didn't I? You know, <laughs> didn't, even, didn't you just... I, I, we'd never met, but even I, even I didn't like that person. Do you know what I mean? Even I looked at that and thought, wow. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was, yeah, I mean, we've, we spoke about it before, but but then, I mean, I even have said, you want to, like, it, I know what's destined here for you, Dan, recovery, social media, because you know why? People look at that old Danny and then see him now and think, fuck, this works. Mm. You know, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? The attraction mm. rather than promotion. Yeah, absolutely. And the only way, because you try and find people on YouTube or on social media who talk about NA. Or A or whatever, or fellowship or recovery. Mm -hmm. there's, there's hardly any. Mm -hmm. There's hardly any. But then when you see this lunatic going, vibrations of the mind, God bless, you know, <laughs> and the people are like, whoa, mm -hmm. what's he talking about? And he's 
you know, people can relate to that. People need to see that. That's why your message will always be powerful because you type your name in, you've got all these videos where he's a lunatic and then you've got this video where he's sat there going love and light to your all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, people go, whoa, what's the secret here? Mm -hmm. You know, the, yeah. it's hard It's hard to famine sometimes. People look at it and go, nah, but it's, 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 you can't, you can't so, yeah. it. It's there, isn't it? Do yeah. you know what I mean? That's where the change is. That's where the growth is. That's powerful. when, like you say, making changes, it's, it's millimetres you're moving forward. You don't feel as if you realise the change. People come up six months later, a year later, you're different. Mm -hmm. There's something about you, your eyes are clearer, you've got a different energy. Mm -hmm. We don't feel the changes until you see the misery that you were in the back, the pain that you were in, the devil, like a different person. It's like people possessed because we think at that moment it's what it's all about. We think at that moment, if you're fucking bang on the gear or whatever it is, we think that's normal. We're possessed or something else, I believe, that takes over that. And then once you become clean, once you step out of that very small box, you realise the world's a big place. You realise you're in full control of whatever mm. you want to achieve in your life. When you relapsed there, Paul, like, what was the steps to make that happen? What was the fucking the catalyst to go, oh, I'm going to slip back? There's a number of things. See, I got complacent around recovery. I got complacent around a lot of stuff in my life where, you know, I start forgetting where I've come from, forgetting how bad things were, you know, and ego, pride, all that shit comes in, you know, and it was just thought it was, you take your eye off the ball for one second on recovery for one day, you have a bad day. You take it off for a week, you're fucking having a bad week. You know, if it gets any, long, any longer than that, you're destined to use, you're destined for the relapse. And that's exactly what happened. You know, and it, a couple of things were happening, you know, around social media, around my personal life and stuff like that, shit was happening. And it was just a way of fucking trying to escape it. But we know, my head, my disease will tell me, you'll be all right going, you'll get away with it. You know, just, just for a day or two, you'll be all right. It just makes everything tenfold, makes everything worse. You know, and that's how cunning and baffling this disease is because how it can, this disease has took me to a point where I don't want to be here. I'm on the fucking streets. I've got, I haven't got a fucking rap. My kids and my family don't want to see me. Yeah. Then I get into fellowship and get clean. And then 15 years down the line, how the fuck it convinced me that it's a good idea to get a fucking eight ball and a bottle of air you and go hide in the hotel room and then go live as well <laughs> wow yeah, you went live on instagram went live, yeah, yeah. what was that a scream out for help do you think probably feeling sorry for myself wanting a bit of a tension i don't know yeah again look i i am an addict you know and when i'm in active addiction who knows what's going to happen you know I, even i'm like i remember doing that and a couple of days later thinking oh my fucking god like what sober Paul wouldn't do that normal Paul wouldn't do that but unfortunately Paul who's off his tits would do it over and over again I'd imagine yeah you know but it's one of them things you know I, I'm just grateful that I survived it you know I'm grateful that I learned from it life goes on any relapse that, yeah. I, that I survive is just a learning curve so that's the thing myself that always scares me if I relapse I don't think I've got the strength to come out again but I'm mm. over four years now and it was always it's been a battle the last eight years like like, I don't think I've got another recovery in me because mm. it, it's the shame, the guilt, yeah. the lying to everybody. Like you going on that and, and doing that, for me, I'd have kept going on it until I was caught, until somebody says, or something. my mum usually says there's something No, that, that's what happened to you. And you get angry and you have fucking nothing and yeah. it's a gambling and it's a weed and it's a Valium and it's everything, just everything changes. Like, because we get, we keep doing it because we want to hide away the how fucked. Anybody that's got addiction, anybody even just sitting in a gaff once a month for three days, 
you've got a problem you're hiding from something mm -hmm. you ain't happy i put a post out about alcohol i believe is the biggest struggle on the planet there's more people die from it but yeah. yet it's more glorified people saying but i'm allowed two drinks three drinks because it's legal yeah and people saying i only have two beers a night it's great listen you do that for 10 years 20 years and let's i'm just saying everybody's got potential <clears throat> this darkens your vibration it lowers your vibration for me there's just more to give in life the yeah. only thing i struggle with now is sugar that's a fucking killer man bastard mm. yeah that's what I mean. food, like see when mm. you came off that and after like, how long did it take to realize i know who i was before to get back on it straight away because some people end up going spiraling yeah. for three years five years some people never get out again well for a week i was again back to square one suicidal fucking didn't want to show me face didn't want to turn social media on didn't want to turn my phone on didn't want to lift me head off the, off the city do you know what I'm, i just hid away but you know I, from past experience you know i know where that leads to you know and i've got enough recovery and enough of god in my life to know that pick yourself up stop feeling sorry for yourself and, and get on with it you know and that's like it's exactly what i did you know i'm i'm grateful for the fellowship and uh, for what i've got from fellowship and what and having a higher power my god of my understanding because you know that week all i wanted to do was go back out all i wanted to do was die you know everything about me was negative dark ill do you know it was horrible but because of my god and because of fellowship and because of the people i have around me and that do you know what i mean i was able to go do you know what like that's that's not where i want to go do you know there's two paths here which one do you want you know and i want that path where i want to live you know i, I want to be in fellowship i want to be a good what's on offer you know a good dad a good a good husband a good brother a good son a good friend you know and i, and I know that's on offer so that's that's the path i want mm -hmm. you know and it just just picked myself up and got on with it. How was it to see Paul when you seen him slipping? Yeah, it wasn't nice, you know. Uh, I could, you rang me, didn't you? But I couldn't remember. And you told yeah. me about it. We had like a good mm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah. Aye. I, uh, I, I won't say what was said because it's distasteful, but it was, I couldn't help but fucking laugh. Like, um, not at the time, but looking back. Uh, no, it wasn't nice at all, you know, seeing someone, you know, I love him like a brother and, you know, we've come very close. You know, we're always all right, but especially since that uh, last November, you know, we've become really tight. We speak, what, three, four times a week or something easy. Yeah. yeah. And um, <clears throat> just wasn't nice because I remember that car journey down there in November. I reflected on a lot of that stuff in my early recovery and still do to this day, you know, um, some of the stuff that he said to us. Seems like so much of it coming to fruition, you know. Um, always drew, you know, inspiration from him. So, you know, you can imagine, for me, you know, it wasn't very nice, but you can imagine for other people, you know, that was, it's entertainment for a lot of people, watching something like that, people who don't know him, people with no feelings for him, you know, they're just watching something, you know, like watching something unfold, it's like drama, I suppose, you know, it's, mm. uh, they get a, maybe a certain sort of satisfaction from it in some way, but for me, it wasn't very nice at all, and, you know, I was just, happy when uh he threw the towel in and you know went back home very pleased yeah how have you been dealing with it kind of attention for the social media i know we're podcast i put the title britain's toughest bouncer i did say it, yeah, it was clickbait but <laughs> again that title was that was a a title that you were given yeah yeah but how did you deal with it, the attention that comes with the comments positive negative uh, the the first week i took it i was struggling mm -hmm. you know um I felt I needed, I needed to explain and, you know, people going, Britain's out of storm and there, uh, I know loads of Donald fill them in and I think, so what? But I felt the need to, to try and explain to everyone, oh, look, this is, and I just thought, wow, what are you doing? You know, I'm, 
again, like after that happened, you know, my Instagram blew up and, you know, people were messaging us and similar to what Danny was going through and you know, people stopping me and talking to me. And it was overwhelming to say the least, you know, and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a feel good thing. You know, it made me feel decent, made me feel good. But um, it's gratification for knowing what I was doing. You know, I did the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, because even though 5% of, 95% of the comments were all positive and brilliant. And the 5% was just shit, you know, not the artist, you're a fan of you're a big chin or whatever, whatever people choose to shot at you, which was all that by the way, which was pissing me right off. Mm -hmm. But after the week went by, I started to realize, you know what? Like you've done the right thing, Paul, because you know, if a thousand people hate what you've said, but then the, that one person comes along and goes, listen now, I'm joining fellowship. I'm going to NA, mm -hmm. you know, I loved your podcast. That's job done. Mm -hmm. That's job done. Yeah, you had more positives than negatives. Oh, yeah, like, hundreds. Yeah, it was like, like same as yourself, Danny. Like, brilliant. You've had waves and waves of negativity, but like yeah. that, that goes to anybody. You have turned that. You've turned that wave. I said to you after the podcast, look, a wave will come. You'll get attention. How you're going to ride that? And you fucking read that. You've got your surfboard, man. You've took it to heights that like, only you could never, only you could ever dream of. Especially three, four years ago, where you were. Like, mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. It's all down to the individual. Everybody can get a little push start, a little kick, but it's down to them how they want to fucking go. Like, mm -hmm. It's not easy. Like, no. Positive comments, negative comments, like, you can get above your station as well. You need something to ground you because we all want to be liked. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, we all want to be loved and liked. Yeah. Same as men. Like, men struggle most today. Like, how do you see it when men struggle and you've come through it, you've fucking fucked it again you've come back on it again like when somebody can see them really struggling because i feel people's pain i've been there i've been no. there and i still act to, that i'm fine i still act that everything's okay like it's not i always working i'm always on the go to keep busy because up here man is is a fucking minefield i don't know what day i'm going to get when i wake up i can do affirmations i can go over goals i can look back and be grateful and show gratitude but up here's just fucking just little ticking time bombs. I hear that kid, you should shouldn't be happy today. Bang, mm. something will explode, and then I'm thinking about shit from ten years ago. But it's difficult when you see somebody struggling. How do you feel? Do you feel that pain? Yeah, yeah. But the reason why I do it is because I can relate to that pain. So I put myself back right there. Do you know what I'm saying? So I know when I say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. I fucking mean it. You're like I, I know what you're going through, mate. And do you know what as well. I feel like I've, I've I've developed this radar of spotting it from a mile off. You know, I only need to to, to lay eyes on someone and let them meet someone or they're open the mouth for five minutes. I'm thinking he struggles him with addiction or mental health or one with once with something he's struggling. You know, and nine times out of ten I'm right. You know, because I'll always mention it, I'll always talk about it, and I'll always, you know, I, if I feel that God's put it on my heart to go, he's struggling him, Paul. And if I have a, a, a feeling that he is. I'll pull him aside and I'll mention it. There has been times where he goes, no, no, I'm fine, me, mate. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, the ad that has happened, but nine times out of 10, I'm using, you know, I get it spot on, you know, and it, 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 it kills me because these people don't know how to live with it. You know, this mental health or addiction, they, they don't know anything, do you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're just all numb by the, the grip of the fingers, you know, just day by day. And I think, bro, there's stuff on offer there that can help you, you know, and they're like, as men, they don't want to, sometimes they don't want to listen or they don't want to hear it because, you know, they convince themselves, I'm all right, me, I'm all right. Like, how many men do you say, you all right, you? Yeah, I'm sound. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know they're not, but they'll just go, yeah, sound. I don't want to talk about it. No, because that's, it's in, it's ingrained, it's not, to, not to show emotion, not to show weakness, not to, you know, when truthfully, the strongest words I've ever heard was surrender to win. And the reason why oh, it, 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 it stuck with me because I always looked at surrender as a weakness. You know, how can you... How can you give in 
that's what surrender was to me, giving up, giving in, you know, to, to win. You're always going to be a loser. But when I started to realise, you know what, it's surrendering this. And when you surrender, it means stop being fucking denial. You know, get rid of your self-pity. Know what you are. You know, all this stuff that comes with that, that saying, it's fucking bang on. You know, and when I mention this to these guys, you know, like, listen, you've got to let go. You've stopped. Like, get rid of that denial. Know what you are. You know, do something different instead of doing the same things and expecting different results. It's just insane. Like, get rid of all that. Start looking at, I don't know, meditation, higher power, change the way you think. You know, all this stuff works. Yoga, meditation, mm -hmm. it all works. Mm -hmm. You know, but, you know, you, you touched on something, you know, like, Monday's your favourite day. I absolutely love your videos when you talk about Monday, but you know why? Because I always remember being in a sesh, you know, and it's like early hours Monday morning, you're picking up the curtains and people are getting ready to go to work and you're like, look at them fucking lunatics. Wouldn't dare. You know, going to work on a Monday while you're sat in the kitchen melting, mm. you know. And that was my mentality. You know, seeing someone on a Sunday morning out washing his car at 8 o'clock, I think lunatic. He's probably looking at me and I'm like, mm -hmm. and he's probably looking at me thinking lunatic. But how can I look at him, someone who's going to work on him? My moral of the story is, them Monday videos, they're, they're fucking brilliant because I'm there now. You know, I, I'm actually enjoying me Mondays. You know, I'm not sitting there dreading Mondays, watching people go to work thinking lunatic. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them now. You know, I'm getting up, I'm doing stuff, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start my week on a Monday. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good feeling, you know. And it's, to be able to come from sat in that kitchen looking out, tweet, you know, Popping out of windows, looking at lunatics going to work with his fucking picnic in his bag, ready for lunch. And I'm sat there fucking having that for a week, you know, wasting away. Yet now I'm a million miles away from that. You know, I'm that lunatic with me little bag going to work and, you know, thinking, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, it, and it's mad. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I never ever pictured that life for me. Mm -hmm. You know, what was normal. You know, when I first went into fellowship and I go, build a bridge to a normal living. You know, it's, it's slow building. It'll happen. I think... <clears throat> I don't want to be fucking yeah. normal. I don't want to be working. I don't want to be, mm -hmm. you know, I'm here because I want to stop sniffing and smoking crack. That's it. That's it. Then all of a sudden I'm listening to fucking all different types of music. I'm hearing the birds singing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, fucking hell, this is weird. It's a little bit of a weirdo, but I love it. Yeah. You know, I'll absolutely love it. I'm finally at a place now of, you know, I, on, a, on a sense, I feel normal. You know, after my five or 10 minute morning, my prayer and, you know, connection and all that, I'm off and I'm normal. And it's a fucking good feeling. Yeah. That there was what was on offer for me when they said, you can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. You know, when I first went into the fellowship and they were going, look, this is, you'll have a life beyond your wildest dreams. I thought they're all going to do a whip round in a minute and give me a load of money or something. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I was thinking in my head. But mm -hmm. that bridge to a normal living was built. You know, and I was getting up, I was going to work. I remember like it was yesterday because I was at Tesco Warehouse on minimum wage, all in my trainers. But well, fuck me, I was happy. You know, there was no stress, bills were paid. You know, I, I, I was normal. I was living a normal life and it was fucking brilliant. What was your go-to drug? Coke. Coke or crack. It was either one of them. You know, if I started on crack, I was sniffing coke and I was smoking crack. If I started on crack, I was sniffing coke. I'd be both of them. You know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't matter to me. Were you smoking coke now? No, no. I would just sniff the content and smoke crack. But it, it was... For me, the only drug I never took was heroin. And that was only a yet. You ever close to it? Yeah, yeah, very, very close. A few times. See, I used to look at people on heroin. I think the fucking state of them made mm. me feel as if I wasn't as bad. Yeah, well, that, that that was the same for me. But I had a lot of trauma around heroin because, you know, I'm, when I was, uh, I think it was about fourteen, fifteen. You know, my mum's my mum's sister 
the younger sister, uh, died of heroin overdose, and I found her. It was me who had to go get the kids, and you know, it was terrible. It was a terrible time, you know. And I, uh, my mum worked at an hotel. See, my mum's in recovery. She's 27, 28 years clean and sober. Um, you know, she's Miss NA. She's fucking brilliant. She carried the message to me, you know, and, it, and it's, it's, you know, it's a family on this. It's a family on this. And anyway, she, she was, she'd been clean a few years and she was working. And I thought she was at work this morning and, and the phone was ringing. I used, when she was at work at a hotel, I used to get my little sister up, get her ready for school and take her to school. This phone was ringing, the house phone was ringing. When I answered it, it was my little cousin, um, Tony. And he was like, I can't wake mum up, I can't wake mum up. And I was like, where are you? He went, I'm at home. He went, I've took some naughty off her. So I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And I was only about 14, do you know what I mean? So I was like, test my little sister, listen, stay there. I'll be two minutes, you only lived around the corner from us. So I'm running around. And as I went in, uh, my two cousins, Tony and uh, Amy, they were only dead young. They were sat in the city, they were a couple of years younger than me, and they were crying. And when I looked, I just knew. I knew instantly that she was dead. You know, she'd overdosed. I said, what have you took out of her hand? And it was a needle. And uh, I got undressed and I was, you know, trying to, how it don't, don't, how it's just, just playing. How it, she's asleep, we'll be all right. Get him out of the house. And as I walk around back home, our mum was on the step and she went, what's going on, where are you? And it, for me to have to go, I think Annette's dead. You know, it was fucking horrendous, absolutely horrendous. But it was a lot, a lot of, it never left me that stuff, do you know what I mean? Like seeing my mum crying over and having to get the kids out, having to act normal. I was 14 year old, you know, it was, it was, it was fucking horrendous. But I dealt with it on that day, but it took me a long time to speak about it. it took me a long time to deal with it, you know, I didn't, I didn't deal with it until I got into fellowship. You know, I just lived with it, buried in the back of the, my brain, which would resurface every now and again when I put my head on a pillar, yeah. you know, and it, it's something that no kid should ever, have to, have to deal with, you know, and the trauma that comes with that was fucking horrendous because I loved my auntie Annette. You know, I did love her. You know, I was always sleeping at her house. I was dead close with her. And then to see her that way, you know, to see my mum, it was fucking horrible. But again, every time I, I'd made the decision to take anyone, which I was very close to, that was in my head, fresh in my head as well. And I knew there would be no turning back for me if I took that. So basically her death probably saved your life on many occasions without one. Probably, mm -hmm. probably. What about yourself, Danny? What was your go-to drug? Um, weed all day, every day. Sniff on a night and volume to get to sleep. Used to call it the Holy Trinity for some mm -hmm. unknown fucking strange reason. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing you come off the weed, how, how, how hard is that? Like, I've done it for 12 years, man, and out of, out of gambling and all the other shit, the, the weed was tough because I, I'd felt as if I would always relapsed with that more because I always surround, I used to always surround myself with people who smoked all the time. And I used to think they still function to try and convince myself that it's okay. But it's a, for me, it's a mind fuck. For me, it's another depressant. You can say what you want about it. It's a herb, it's whatever. But the people I know still smoking it, their heads are fried. Mm -hmm. like, how did you manage to come off the weed? <clears throat> I know a lot of people now who still struggle to come off it. Uh, with great difficulty, you know. I've done 30 days, three, four times this year, you know, and the 30 days for me is the hardest because when there's something in my bloodstream, something in my, you know, like in my body, you know, that's how my neurochemistry works for the next 30 days. It's just screaming, feed me, you know, as long as there's something in my bloodstream, I want more of it. It doesn't matter if it's two days, three days, four days, I don't get any relief until 30 days. And I've noticed that 30 days, it's uh, 
to fuck her. And every time I've relapsed, like it was mentioned before, like you mentioned, every time I've relapsed, it's come back stronger. It's been harder to get back into fellowship, you know. It comes back stronger every time. It's like thrush. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking, yeah. It's just, it's it just comes back stronger every time and you can't you know, shake it off. But I always knew there was light at the end of the tunnel and we'd gone fifty nine days of the first time, you know, when we met. I went fifty nine days, which was my longest longest time recovery at that point. And I was getting, you know, sort of glimmers of normality, you know, and <clears throat> like Paul mentioned before, as I say, in the fellowship, you can get a life beyond your wildest dreams. Well, now already, after seven months clean, I have got a life and I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I never thought it'd be possible to live this way. Normality, that word's used a lot, you know. Normality is an individual thing, isn't it? You know, what's normal for one isn't normal for another. But, you know, I get a sense of that. More so, I get a sense of, you know, I'm the person, a person, me, that's always been there. You know what I mean? This this person, this person who's rather polite and sometimes, you know, friendly most of the time. And all this stuff that I am and all this stuff that I live by and all these new things that's come into my life, you know, it's been it's been there underneath the whole time. Just been shrouded and masked with so much problems, negativity, substance abuse, and all the other stuff that goes with that life, you know, and uh, you can't see the wood for the trees. You know, you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel when you're living that life, but now, you know, I feel like I'm very much in that light. I walk in that light. I feel it every day, you know. You know, I'm very grateful. Very, very grateful. You know, I, that word gratitude's overused, you know, and you can say you're grateful for this and grateful for that. But, you know, I literally drop to my knees every morning and thank, you know, God of my understanding for everything that I have. You know what I mean? Not just this material body, this vessel that I, you know, inhabit and live in. You know, every, every other thing that goes with it absolutely everything I'm grateful for. And I was never grateful for anything. I was just self-centered addict who couldn't see any further than the end of my nose, you know, very narrow-minded, very greedy, very obnoxious, ignorant, aggressive. All them things that make up a, a twat, you know, that, that's what yeah. it was. How's the relationship with your loved ones now that you're on a stable path and seeing the world differently? Never better, never better. You know, my kids, my kids come now and they don't want to go home, you know, and I've got, fortunate enough to have a few a few quid kicking about you know i can treat them you know no ends you know it's sometimes a little bit of a double-edged sword you know trying to give your kids everything that you didn't have because you know problems come along with that don't they? and i mean it is what it is it's nice to be able to give them the things that i never had and uh though they are grateful and they definitely recognize the difference in me you know and my behavior and the way i am with them you know and that loves you know, it's mutual, it's, you know, it's uh, it's unconditional and it's magnified and amplified a lot more since I've got clean. You know, everything's, we've mentioned before about the birds, the trees, you know, when I'm running or I'm, even when I'm walking down the river and I can hear the sound of the water, I love it. You know, all them little things that come with it and so many things that, you know, just having your kids smile at you, you know, all them little things. And that's what I'm very grateful for today, the little things. When I say everything, I mean everything, you know, being here right now, you know, I'm right in this moment. I'm thinking of nothing else. I'm living in this moment right here, right now, talking about whatever I'm talking about, you know, and yeah. I don't, uh, I am not my past, you know, I'm not defined by my past. I'm me, I'm me right now. 
you know that's who i am mm -hmm. today i'm me now yeah and i don't think anyone should be defined by you know the past or the things that they've done because you know anyone can change and by change i don't mean you know morph into a different creature you know i just mean probably unveil the person that's been there all along but you've just failed to recognize it you know mm -hmm. see that's the thing there's a lot of goodness in this world there is a genuine a lot of goodness but seeing you start doing well for yourself there also becomes a lot of envy with that and see when you started making the changes when you were on the podcast the first time and you were 59 days clean and making waves people saying oh you're an inspiration it's, it's amazing that see when you reel that because there's many people waiting in the sidelines waiting for you to fuck up that becomes an even added more pressure because when you're on it you feel as a fuck man they're going to laugh and that fuels you with a wee bit of rage and it shouldn't but when you relapsed how was that feeling for you after being on such a positive journey well you know first first of all I've, above and beyond anything else you know I felt like I'd let you know myself and my loved ones down all that stuff that superficial stuff on YouTube and that yeah it's nice to be liked you know and of course it is you know it's human nature you know that that stuff's nice but you know none of them people know me you know and anybody you know that knows me and loves me you know knows who i am on the path i'm on at the end of the day you know how many of those people really truly care you know it's nice to inspire and it's nice to be you know loved and liked but you know how many of them people are going to be at my funeral you know a lot of people there are going to be waiting for everyone's demise you know that's a fact of life and admittedly early on especially when i was in active addiction when i was sort of making these mental videos and that someone would make a ne negative comment and i'd want to know where they live you know, I'd be commenting, I'd be like, I'll meet you in the morning. You know, that's one comment could do that to me. You know, and it's took time. It hasn't happened overnight, but you no know, stuff like that doesn't bother me anymore. I still get negative comments all the time, but you know, I deal with them. They are what they are, you know. Mm. More and more so, I'll look at these negative comments and just think without replying or without saying anything that, you know, it can't be very nice yeah. for them, you know, to be, in that, to be in that place. The place where I was in, probably you know, maybe not as bad as the place I was in, but that's exactly what I done. I channeled all the shit that was going on in my life, all the negativity, all the hate, all the all the everything, regret, remorse, mountains of pain, misery, and regret. I channeled all that out of the people, you know, and it wasn't their fault. They maybe just said something I didn't like, and I just let them have it with both barrels, yeah. you know? So now I look at things like that, and that's that's how I feel, that's how I think, you know? Yeah. These times don't get us wrong. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, slapping someone about, but. I don't let that happen because that's just a voice in my head, you know, <laughs> like it was with the traffic warden the other day. <laughs> Aye, a little bit of an incident, but, uh, you know, I ran myself in and it's that voice in it, you know, it's still there. That's, that's me. That's, that's my disease. You know, it, uh, as Paul said before, you know, my disease is very manipulative. It's very cunning, you know, and it's very patient. It'll wait until, like you said before, I'm riding this crest of the wave and everything's so good. And then, you know, that's when the voice seems sometimes at its strongest, you know, and uh, kind of probably more power over us than sometimes it does when I'm sat in someone's kitchen. It's just, uh, it's a fucker, you know. How many times did you used to get triggered back in the day? Oh, I don't know. Every, what, for using drugs or losing just, your head? Just losing your shit. Oh, could have happened, I don't know, a couple of dozen times a day. <laughs> what? Well, I'd use it from the moment I opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, that was my first trigger, opening my eyes in the morning. That was mm -hmm. trigger one. Where's the tray? <laughs> yeah. Where's the volume? Trigger one. You know, that, and then what? Well, absolutely anything at all, you know? Mm -hmm. If somebody wasn't, if someone was driving within the speed limit when I was driving to work, I'd want to get out with a red light and smash them to bits. You know, that's where my head was with it. 
I had this thing and I've mentioned it to Paul. It's like, it's getting easier and easier, but anybody who was speaking to me at any time, you know, hasn't happened for a while, but you could be speaking to me now and for some strange reason, my voice is just going, just dead him. You know, and you're still talking. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm thinking now, right, is it a good headbutt? Do you catch him clean? You know, does he get up? Does he go down? What if he gets stuck back into you? You know, and then I'm, all these various scenarios are unfolding while you're still talking. And I'm either kicking you around the room or you've got me by the throat or something's happening and it's just, my thoughts just completely run away with us. It hasn't happened for a little while. I'm getting more and more control over it. But that used to happen so much. And at the end, my boss or my bird or anyone would be like, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, I, I hadn't heard a word. You know, I hadn't heard one word. I just was not there. Uh, and that was, I often used to think there was something really wrong with this, but... Uh, yeah, I think you know, that was, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had, this, we had this conversation. The reason why I laugh is because I relate to everything you fucking say. And it's mad because uh -huh. I've been there where you... And they just do this. And you go, right. yeah. But you're going through with this scenario of, of hitting someone or... Because my first thought will always be, even if I like the guy, him. Crack him. Go on. But you can't... You, no, and I'm thinking, how sick... You know mm -hmm. what it is? It's because we've come from this fucking fantasy world of everything just being an illusion and fantasy. You know, I always remember the first time I'd come on your podcast <laughs> and when I'd done it, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, is that true? You know, because I was that far gone in my disease of addiction. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong and what was true and what was not. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And i tell you one, what was proper confused me. Remember when I shared about the bloke that knocked fuck out was when I was a kid mm -hmm. on the bridge? All of a sudden, I just got this wave of anxiety thinking, oh my God, I've been just lied about that. So when I come home, I, I got in the car, I'm driving home, I'm saying, here. So I rang our dad and I says, remember that? remember I told you about that? He went, yeah. He said, this is something I want to talk about. We said, no, do you, but I need to know, like, what I've just said, said this, is it true? He went, yeah, fucking right it is. He says, of course it's true, son. You were in the bath, you told me, I dragged you out, we were walking down the path. I went, right, that's all I need to know. Mm -hmm. Because because sometimes, you know, like, if I tell a story, I'm thinking, wow, was that real? You know, because because I was that far gone, if I was either being awake for three or four or five or six days, mm -hmm. sometimes you lose you you, you lose the, the ability to know what was true and what wasn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I've always done podcasts, well, yeah. I've always done stuff like that and thought, Shit, was that true? And then I'm ringing on the on the phone, thinking, "Fucking hell, yeah, that was true." <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. when I when so now we live in we living in the real world, and, and, and you know we're doing this fellowship. That's what's making us being able to be around normal people and not, you know, carry, address ourselves well and carry ourselves well. You know, sometimes maybe will be going, you know, what, what did what did he just say that there for? You know, even if someone just walks up and goes, "Yori Paul," mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, of course I am. Why wouldn't I be? Are you all right? Mm -hmm. Do you know? And and and. You know, I don't, I'm just, that's what's just going through my head. In the end, I end up going, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, mate, you all right. But before I say that, my head's going, why is he asking you if you're all right? You know, I, I've fucking known this guy for 10 years, but yeah, I'm worried about why he's asking me if I'm all right. Oh, it's fucking strange. Mm -hmm. It's strange. And, and, and that's, that's how I think and thinking, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the way we're programmed, the way we've been. You're talking about anger as well. You know, if I got sad, I got angry. If I got happy, I got angry, you know, because my anger was the go-to emotion to be able to disguise everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was afraid, I got angry. If I was upset, I got angry. You know, so flipping off the lid was, was, you know, a couple of times a day for me, you know, whether it be at my missus, whether it be at a friend, whether it be at a stranger, whether it be, at, you know, in a car, it, it was always going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the reason why it was always going to happen was because I had nothing, I had, I had no structure, no balance, no nothing i had nothing in my life it was just me and, and this mm -hmm. like living with this and everything i thought was a good idea 
from hitting someone or chasing someone or telling someone to fuck off or whatever it was it was always a good idea now looking back at thinking you were a fucking clown you mm -hmm. mate you know when i look back at how i was in that you know you talked about that no how many times i did you flip off the lid oh a, a lot mm -hmm. like a hell of a lot you know yeah but that's it isn't it it's i think that was the only way i knew how to channel it all yeah. the shit that was going on all the frustration and, and that's the only way, because I got a you know sickly and crazily I got a release for it. I got yeah. a real release for it. Yeah. Once I'd flipped my lid and I was, I thought I was like, ah, oh, yeah, because I'm all right now. How looking back at it now as well, and you see you see it for what it was. You know, you 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 were the one who was in the wrong. You were the one who was mm -hmm. out of order. You see that, but at that time, you're the only sane person on earth. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like no, no. I definitely needed to do that there. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's thinks I'm a mug. Yeah, fucking insane, man. It's insane, <laughs> absolutely. And do you yeah. know what? If 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 again, you talk when you asked about what was the slow, what was the the build up to my relapse? All that, you know, losing patience. You know, my tolerance, my you know, my balance, my my structure. Everything in my life was like crumbling around me because of me, because I wasn't doing the things that I suggested. You know, to give me that life beyond my wildest dreams, which I've had a taste of it. I know exactly what it is, what's on offer. But then all of a sudden, Paul wants to take charge, you know, and, and he either wants more money or he wants a new watch or, you know, <clears throat> anything, you know, anything that changes the way I feel, I'm going to grip and kick the ass out of. Mm. And I think I'm all right because it's not drugs. You know, I have fucking problems with everything, me. Gym, trainers, food, sugar, everything. And it, and it has the potential to fucking ruin me. Mm -hmm. You know, even just buying trainers or or you know obsessing around certain things it has the potential to take me to the same place as drugs did you know i'll cause issues in my house it'll you know i'll start falling out with people over shit you know and and it's no different it's absolutely no different take away the drugs i'm left with me drugs aren't the problem you are paul mm -hmm. you know the solution to to, to you is fellowship i have power and it's the only thing that only it's the only thing for me for my my opinion it's the only thing that works for addicts and mental health sufferers when was the last time you cried What was I watching the other day? Uh, someone on YouTube made me cry. Soldiers coming on. I, I, honestly, I, like one of the one of the last things I cried over over my past was your podcast. You know, I I, I felt myself really, you know, some gripping me over my past. You know, the the, the thing of, with the tablets and stuff like that. But then I can shed a tear most days over watching someone stupid or someone message me a nice thing. Mm -hmm. You know that that's like like a joyful tear do you know what i mean or something along them lines but the last time i really cried in in uncontrollably or you know saddened really saddened was after your podcast when i'd done the, from the thing because i knew my mum and dad were going to see it and that do you know what i mean I'm proud of you what about yourself danny um cried yeah cried on saturday gone but half past one yeah <laughs> half past one yeah yeah i met somebody somebody I won't say his name because it's distasteful. Somebody contacted us on Instagram and I'd mentioned I was going to Edinburgh to watch the Bugsy Malone musical. So they were like, do you mind if I met, would I mind if I'm, I meet you in that? So I thought, I'll meet you outside the playoffs, you know, as I'm going in. And it was, he had a gift for me and a gift for my missus. And um, he gave the phone to me last said, would you mind taking a picture? And he was shaking. And he seemed a really nice fella. You know, I'm not always the best at judging character, but this lad seemed really nice, you know. And um, he had glasses on us in a tear. He was actually on the glass of his glasses. And I instantly, I was like, oh, mate, come here. And I gave him a hug. And he cried a bit more. And uh, he set me off. 
know, he set me off crying. Don't know what it was, just emotion. I don't know if it was happiness. It didn't seem like it was sadness, mm -hmm. you know, just emotion. And that's, uh, it's nice to be able to feel them things now because that would have definitely been enough for me to, to probably lose my head in the past, you know, something like that, a nice gesture or something nice would have been, I just didn't know how to handle it. Like I said before, anger, it would have went to anger. You know, I would have even been angry with myself for being, a, for being, an, for being crying or I would have probably somehow blamed him for whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Really nice to feel them things now, human, aren't we? Do you feel good enough? Yeah. Yes, I do. You know, um, definitely been times when I haven't felt adequate but um you know I know I am you know and I'm certain of it because that reflects in the relationships I've got with my kids you know with my lass who I love you know and, and my mum you know my mum's a big part of my life you know we've always had an on-off on relationship you know but when she told me at the start of my recovery that she was proud of us you know it's something I hadn't heard of my mum you know for a very long time because I didn't want it I never give it any reason to either, you know. She told us I used to, you know, we've had these really, really nice, deep conversations. And since I've been in recovery, we're closer than ever, you know, because now I see now where her head was. I see why she didn't want nothing to do with us. I see why, you know, she used to stay up at night. You know, I used to keep her awake at night. She used to sit in a bed awake at night, wondering where I was, what I was doing, what trouble I was causing. You know, costing costing my own mother sleep by not even being there. Um, you know, it's nice to now to have a full trust, you know, and uh, to have the relationship that we've got. You know, for my mum to tell me that she was proud of me was a massive thing for me, you know, because she never had any authority over us, you know, from the age of about 12 year old. You know, she just didn't have any, you know, just completely gone. And, uh, you know, I do absolutely anything for my mum now, you know. And I'm making amends by staying clean. You know, by staying clean, I'm making amends for a lot of things. There's a lot of things where I can't make amends for, you know, I'm not on that step quite yet, you know, I'm just nearly wrapping up my step three and that, but the steps are in a certain sequence for a reason. You know, you get prepared for them along the way. But um, making amends, certain things I can't make amends for, and I'm already aware of that because I've cause harm to myself and others and I'd be incriminating myself no doubt you know making amends for some of the things that I've done but I make amends by staying clean you know I make amends by not being that person anymore you know I make amends by you know being the, being the person I am today you know I'm I'm rather polite for whatever that's worth you know but I'm kind I'm courteous I'm caring you know I'm coordinated a lot more in my actions and you know life's good that's my amends you know yeah. That's a hard thing, isn't it, Paul? When you're, if you're on it, you don't just destroy yourself. You destroy everybody that's around you that cares. That like, how hard is that as a man when you know you're fucking up, but you can't have the strength to change. But you know your family's breaking by watching you break. That was the main reason why I didn't want to be here no more. It was the only reason I wanted to die on a daily was because of the harm of doing to my missus and kids. You know, I've been with my missus since I've been fourteen. You know, fuck knows how I've kept all of her for that i'm very grateful for her like don't get me wrong like ah, fuck, i'd be probably be dead without her if i'm being honest but you know don't get me wrong when i go into recovery and got clean i got clean for me not for my kids not for my wife because if that was the case i wouldn't need recovery because i could have got clean for them and my last anyway but i couldn't i couldn't you know i, I just stepped over my kids to get a crack pipe I, I have you know i've left them i've bailed I've, I've done some horrendous stuff do you know what i mean but that alone was enough for me to want to die because i felt 
they would have been better off without me. You know, I felt my death was was justified because of how I was and the things that I'd done. You know, <clears throat> not to just strangers or to people who didn't deserve what I'd done, but just to my kids and my lass, you know, my mum and dad. You know, I was fucking ruining them, ruining them. You just touched on it there, which, you know, I remember I was in prison and my mum come and says, she went, I haven't slept, the first time I've slept in a long time, you've been in here. I know where you are. She went, every time I had an helicopter or a police siren, I thought it was you, you were dead. You know, someone's going to come and knock on my door and say, Paul's dead. She went, every night. And I was like, fucking hell, massive, I've just put her through that. You know, my last was the same. Put her, put her through that. You know, my oldest daughter, seeing everything. You know, she's, she's, she was aware of everything. My other two kids, they haven't really seen it, do you know what I mean? They're, they have not witnessed it, but my oldest daughter, she's seen my house get blasted, shot at. You know, she's seen her dad fucking collapse and out me nut. You know, and for that was a that is hard thing to, to, to get over. You know, I'll always have guilt and shame around that. But I'm unforgiven. You know, I forgive myself for it. I forgive, I'm forgiven by God. I'm forgiven by her as well. You know, but still, I can still go to that place of like, fucking hell. You know, of guilt and shame. But that was the main reason why I, I wanted to die. Because of what I'd done to them. You know, that was the only reason why. Uh, so I believe that's one of the biggest weaknesses for a man is if you can't be a father same as myself i had two kids five months apart and i was always in and out of life for seven years i would get my kids pass them on to my mum and my sister get a little photo put it on social media best father in the world mm. not realizing i was a way to get a bit of gear or get some steal some money to fucking gamble that, that for me that's the, one of the biggest weaknesses if you first of all you've got to take control of your life but then you've got to support those around you mm. your kids need you i know single mothers now that pass their kids on to their mum while they're out snorting for three four days and they think it's cool and we're so fucking backwards man i don't know what it is that's triggered people in the uk especially is to think it's okay to be sitting in gaffs snorting their fucking head in that if you die that kid is going to go to a foster home or it's going to be left but it's so, such important to take full control of your life not just to better it for yourself but the people around you and the people most vulnerable and that's your mm. kids man like my dog i got a new dog and i fucking love the dog i probably love the dog more than any fucking cunt <laughs> in my family which is a sad thing but it's the loyalty it's the companionship of just love and being on a steady path and seeing the world differently like i still think about getting on it probably every day not as as much the the, the urge isn't there as much but in the summer and stuff i, f I find it more Never hard like how do you feel with the battles every day in your mind like do you still get the urges now I don't get the edges to use. Like, they're a far and few between now. Do you know what I mean? To use drugs or to, to drink or to use, like, well, drink alcohol as a drug. You know, but to use, I don't really get the edge to use now. You know, don't get me wrong, they're, they're still there. They still come every now and again, but not on a daily. Not on a daily. Maybe once a week, once a month, you know, depending on, you know, how strong recovery is, how, how, how much I'm connected with the fellowship, you know, the likes of Danny who I speak to a lot during the week and, you know, I speak to a lot of people who are involved in fellowship, involved in change, and, you know, that keeps me grounded. It's, it stops the edges, it stops, you know, all that stuff leaking in and, you know, convincing me that this is a good idea. It, it, it removes all that. But the mental health side of stuff, because addiction is, is a mental health disease, it definitely is. The mental health side of stuff, now, you touched on it as well, like, do you deserve it? Do you deserve this? You know, my biggest defect is low self-worth. It fucking kills me. It ruins me. I'm never happy with what I see in the mirror. Hence the reason why I'm fat. I'm skinny. I'm muscly. I'm, you know, I can't make my mind up whether I want to be fit, when I want to be massive, when I want to be, you know, I, deep down, I just want to be sitting there eating chocolate all fucking day and be a fat cunt. I wish I could be happy, but I can't. I start panicking about being fat. 
you know, because I've got issues with food. You know, my go-to thing now is food. I comfort eat. I do a lot of comfort eating. I'll have diets where stick to this, stick to that. I'll do it for about two, three days, and all of a sudden I'm fucking crying, shoving cake down my throat. It's like I'm using against me, Will. Knowing you touched on it there. You know when you're sniffing, you're sat on your own, you're crying because you know mm -hmm. you can't stop, but you mm -hmm. want to stop, so you think, fuck it, I hope this line kills me. Mm -hmm. I have that issue with food. Like I said to you, anything that changes the way I feel it takes me to that place, and food is a fucking major thing for me. It does my head in. But, you know, the 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 mental health stuff is is the low self-worth, and I don't... One of the reasons why I'm not on YouTube now and don't do as much as what I used to is because, you know... I, I, I love Danny, I love seeing him do great. And in fact, I, you know, he's the only channel I watch now. But I can look at Danny and think, he's, better, he's a lot better than me. I'll come off that, I won't. Because it's not about me fucking having to compete with him because he knows this is what I wanted from him. This is, But I, I feel stupid now. I feel, I know I'm not, I'm just sharing this. But that's how my head can get me. My low self-worth is setting and, 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 and I'll think, right, I'm going to make a video today, you know, I'm going to carry a message and then Danny will pop up and look at him and he's all articulate and I'm thinking, I can't, I can't match that. But that's my low self-worth. That's how stupid it gets me because I just think you're not you're not worthy. You're not good enough. That is the only issue I have now. The low self-worth stuff. Do you get that, Danny? <clears throat> you seem to be doing okay. You seem confident enough to be just churning away and being consistent. Oh, yeah. I get urges, if you like, but uh you know, I'm not I'm not gonna go through with them. I think about it a lot. Some lads smoking split from the wagon this morning. I've been at work since twelve today. Uh, until 12 you know it happens every time I think part of a scaffold there is I think you know you need to smoke weed nowadays so <laughs> yeah. so like that's what it is with them you know they're all they're all bang at it and uh you know if you can imagine what Friday like payday you know there's a lot of the other one and um you know at first I was like you need to keep all these out my gang I don't want them when I'm in recovery and that and they're like well you're gonna you're gonna work by yourself <laughs> and I was like right so you know, the smell of a spliff and that sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, that smells nice. And it, that never leaves you, that. And it starts my head. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm tempted. I'm not saying I'm close to using it. I'm never going to say it gives one of them. You know, it gives you go on that. I'm not going to, but it's, I, it, it, I think about it a lot. I think about using a lot. I sometimes think that I'm missing something. You know, I sometimes think the lads have come back off older and talk about, oh, this, that and the other. And, you know, doing this in the, the, the hotels and the beers and the cowie and that. And I'm like... That sounds all right, that. You know, I'm like, my head can run away with us a bit. But I'm not in, dan in any danger of using, you know, because I will go to any lengths to stay clean. I'll stay connected. I'll do all the suggested things. But, you see, my disease kind of, it's not just about using, you know. it's uh, It gets me, maybe end up using my mouth. You know, maybe end up talking when I should be listening. You know, maybe I'm saying something that uh, I might regret. You know, um, sometimes behavioural things and that uh, can be a lot more of a problem now than, you know, the desire to use. You know, it can uh, can have me saying things. Like I mentioned, you know, that traffic warden the other day. I was driving off. I was going. I was gone. Get away from him, Danny. You know what I mean? That was me. That was me speaking on the surface. Get away from him. You know what I mean? You hate them, Danny. Get away from him. And uh, he's running after this, taking a picture as I'm driving off. And that was the other voice. Get out and do him. <laughs> and I, I never threatened him. I just got out and gave him a proper mouthful. And like there was all the traffic was backing up. They're all and they're all looking like what's going on here. And I'm like, you idiot. You know, get back in the car, back in the wagon. I felt really stupid then, driving off like a little boy. Like think, oh, what did that's I, the difference now. Though, what did I do that for? Yeah. You know. But uh, I very much. 
good and evil kind of thing on on either shoulder, you know, having an argument with with, the, with, the, with each other, and I'm in the middle like. Uh, I don't think that ever goes. I think you just uh -huh. learn not to act on it. That with change comes a lot of sacrifice, but a lot of positive sacrifices in my eyes. But with change comes a lot of loneliness and boredom. Like sometimes you can get mixed boredom up with being content, which is a good thing. It's just your life's not full of chaos. Mm -hmm. But how you've been dealing with the loneliness? Like, do you get that a lot? <clears throat> because um, I struggle with it. That's why I'm constantly trying to keep busy. No, you know I don't. At at the start, I couldn't have any couch time especially in my first 30 days, put me on a couch for five minutes and I'm on the phone, wanting three for a ton. Um, couch time was a no-no, you know what I mean? But I knew that. I knew that, so what did I do? I'm, I'm out and about everywhere. I'm walking, I'm doing this. I'll do anything. I'll walk your dog. I'll do anything that you want to do that's necessary to stay clean for them 30 days. But now I can really enjoy that. You know what I mean? I look forward to getting through all my stuff on a night and me and the lasses, we've got about three different series going at the same time. You know what I mean? Hitting. That's really nice for me on a night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sitting all that, all that softy, lovey, dovey stuff. You know what I mean? Sitting in bed watching. She's got like a big projector. You know what I mean? Like a cinema. And it's a big, I don't know how big it is. It's huge. And we're just sitting there talking, you know, all that stuff. I love all that stuff. Yeah. Proper, proper soft ass, you know? And that's, mm -hmm. um, that's me. That's what I like to do. You know, that's apart from obviously spending time with my kids, quality time with my loved ones and doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. But when my day's done, when I'm done everything, when I've finished everything, or I've trained and been training my ass off the last six, seven weeks, you know, so when that's all done, you know, and I, I'm sometimes sore, you know what I mean? From working, from training and from getting up early and running and whatever I've been doing. You know, it's really nice just to yeah. sit with my lass in my arms and watch whatever it is that's on the telly, you know. What about yourself, Paul? Loneliness? Something you struggle with? No, not really. Um, I shouldn't really say this. Sometimes I long to be alone, me. No, because because I'm. Listen, I, I love my wife, and I, I couldn't change a thing in my life now, especially with Sammy. But sometimes I think, just get me own little flat Xbox, big telly, big projector, just chill out, just for a few days. Go on, kids, see you later. <laughs> but nah, listen, I, it's one of the things that I've never had issues with with loneliness. Don't get me wrong. When I was in active addiction, I felt alone. You know, I, I've never felt more alone in all my life because I just felt like no one understood why I can't stop using drugs. You know, it's all right, people going, you're a scumbag, stop taking drugs, you're a selfish cunt, you know, you've got a family there, blah, blah, blah. And then for me to sit there and go, but you don't understand, like, I can't help it. You know, it's not a cop out and telling the truth, I can't help it. You know, I've never felt so, all, so alone in all my life. But the moment I walked in the rooms, in the fellowship, I remember one of my first meetings going, listen, you just don't understand. And you know, everyone started laughing. I was like, whoa. They're like, no, no, we do understand. I thought, oh, yeah, you do. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I, the only time I ever felt alone was active addiction. The, 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 over the, the last couple of years of being in recovery and, you know, having God on that, I've never felt so more connected with my family, my kids, you know, my, my missus and my mum my and dad and that. You know, it's fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Even though I still struggle with all the stuff that I've shared, you know, one thing I have got, and that's a fucking wonderful family around me. Look, I'm lucky, like, don't get me wrong, because I know many addicts that I've lost it all. You know, the wife and kids, you know, I should have, should have lost man. You know, thank God that I never, because I was fucking close to it. I dare say I was, you know, one or two users away from losing him, a million percent. What was it like going to your meetings for the first time? Was that a constant battle to go? It was not fucking to go? horrendous. It was horrendous, you know, realising that sat with all these lunatics i'm different i'm not the same as these you know but again you warned don't look for the differences not look for the similarities not the differences i've done the opposite 
I went in there, sat there, looked for the differences and not the similarities, no. He was living in a fucking, on the streets, snatching handbags, he was doing this. I thought, well, I've never done anything like that. I'm different. I'm, I shouldn't be here. You know, boom, and I was gone. You know, it was only through, you know, being sectioned, prisons, and close to dying, taking my own life, that was when I thought, no. You know, when I, when I last walked into the rooms for the very last time, was the realisation of like, no, no, I am the same as you you know, and it took away that, you know, being alone, being a lonely addict, you know, again, you touched on it, Dan, you know, partying with all your mates, they're all going up six o'clock in the morning, I'm sat there on my own, crying, sniffing against me, using because I can't stop, you know, that is the loneliest place I've ever been in my life, ever, you know, and touch wood, and pray to God that I'll never go back to that place, you know, but who knows, just for the day I won't. Yeah. What about yourself, Danny? Like, when was the last? How was it going to recovery for your first time? <clears throat> um, weird, you know. When I first walked into them rooms, I knew a lot of the people, some of the old faces, faces that I hadn't seen for years, obviously because I've been in recovery. But um, you know, some lads that I really liked, always liked, and I wondered why I hadn't seen them for the last however many years, uh, and. Uh, First thing I thought when I seen them was, you know, I wonder how much these are getting paid to do this. You know, like he must be on a wedge there to sit there and try and. I thought it was Connor. I thought he can. I know him. You know what I mean? I know, <laughs> I know what he's always, always been up to. I'm like clean. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. But um, you see, first time for me, I, I thought the people that I knew, I knew when I knew the word, I knew the past and the background, so they didn't immediately stand out as the other ones that I didn't know, the other ones that I didn't know, you know, I'm not scared to admit, I thought a lot of weirdos, you know, I thought this is just like some cult thing, this, you know, I'm different, no one uses like me, no one's been as, all that stuff like Paul said, you know, you think, you think you are alone in, uh, in your using, in your thoughts and, you know, your actions and your behaviours and all this stuff, but, you know, you sharp realise, you know, you're not, everyone's born different, yeah, but we're not unique in our disease, um, you know, it took a little while, like I've said, bit by bit, little by little, you know, eventually, like I've said, in and out a little bit until my pal's funeral, you know, may he rest in peace, something dropped that day, even though I was already in recovery, that penny dropped that day, I was like, uh, no, more action, you know, more action. And, uh, you know, I, I systematically set about to change everything you know they say that in recovery you change one thing and that's everything well that means exactly what it says it's everything you know it's absolutely everything i wanted to change i wanted to be a different person and to be a different person what can you not do you can't do the things that you've always done you know it's as simple as that so you know i systematically set about changing everything i moved house uh don't no longer associate with the brilliant group of lads what i grew up with you know, I speak to them. There's two lads I actually speak to, but you know, they're not addicts. You know, they're uh, rather successful businessmen. I speak to them a lot, a lot of time for them. It doesn't mean I haven't got a lot of time, you know, love and admiration for that, for the crowd, you know, because I love some of them like brothers. When I was in active addiction, you know, I loved them like brothers. It was all that camaraderie, you know, all for one, one for all type stuff, which I lived for. I lived, I stood by it, you know, and all that stuff. But, you know, that day, that I mentioned my last relapse, uh, everything I see, everything come, seemed to come in at once, you know. And 
<coughs> the biggest thing we ever had in common was getting off our nut. You know what I mean? That was it. That was the main underlying thing that kept us all together. Because it's not that I don't dislike any of them, but I know I've got to put as much distance between me, them, and what they do, you know, if I want the life that I've got now. Yeah. That's a difficult thing as well when you make changes. It's, it's distance yourself from the people you've spent with for 10, 20, 30 years. Part of them always say this, but when you start making changes, it shines a, a, it shines a light in other people's missed opportunities. See, when they see people changing, it's not that they're bad, it's just because they can't make the changes. They start getting envious of you making changes and you, your friends who you've been close with for so long then become, not enemies, but they become haters on you. And part of me thinks, were they ever fucking friends then? Like, did, you, did you see that kind of twist to it when you think, mm. I would die for these people, I'd go to prison <clears> for these people, but they can't understand that I've changed for the better, not just for myself, but my kids, my family. Like, did you see the, the, the kind of twist to making changes and distance yourself from people who's a big part of your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that funeral, I mean, I, I'd hate to keep going back to it. You know, it was a very sad day, but it was a very significant moment for me. Sat in a club with all the people I wasn't, you know, I distanced myself from in that early stage of recovery. And, you know, it's like people offering us this, that and the other. I mean, I took it, it's not their fault, but I mean, them people don't want what's best for me. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. And that's something I never really asked myself. You know, all the people I surrounded myself all that time, you know, people that I thought were my friends, you know, and I'm not saying they weren't at the time, but you know, what I am saying is they didn't want what's best for us. You know, that stands out now crystal clear. They did not want what's best for me. There's two or three people out of that 20 strong crowd that I grew up with that really want the best for me. And they're the people I stay in touch with because I want what's best for them. And it's not that I don't want what's best for the other lot, you know, but I can't help them. That's down to them. That's their mission. That's their life. That's their, you know, prerogative to do whatever they want to do, you know. I'm not here to help the masses, you know, I'm here to get my own life and my own stuff in order, mm -hmm. you know, and um, be the best person I can be for my kids and for me, you know, my close friends and family. Mm -hmm. I want to be remembered for how I am now, you know. Like I've said before, I live in the moment. You know, I'll, every morning I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for another day clean. I'm grateful for another day alive. I'm just happy and grateful of, you know, most of the time. And, uh, you know, that's something I've never experienced and that's nice, you know, and if I, something happens on the way home and I don't make it home, you know. I mean, I want to live, don't get it wrong, but I don't fear death at all, you know. Somewhat that strangely doesn't bother us at all, you know. But I want to be remembered for the person I am now, you know, and if I'm fortunate enough to live for a long time, you know, who knows, I might make some of them amends that I've been trying to make and I might make further amends and, you know, I'll maybe just improve some more and, you know, be a person that I am a more of a person than I am now, you know, someone that my kids can can look at, you know, and I mean, I listen, I love my kids and my kids love me, but for me, it's, you know, this legacy thing kicks in now a bit, you know, like if I end up in a box next week, you know, what kind of person am I going to be remembered for? You know, what kind of person are my kids going to think, you know, that was my dad, you know, what, I'm, what, what they're going to think of us, you know what I mean? So I make it my business to try and make the most positive impact on their life, you know, and this bare knuckle thing I'm doing now, you know, I want to be wrapped in by next Christmas, you know, because life is, uh, it's not uh, its not promised, it's not certain, but if I'm fortunate enough to still be here by next Christmas, I want I want a bare knuckle wrapped in by then, you know, and I want to concentrate on the things what, what are really important, which I'm concentrating on now. But what I mean is, 
it's the last chapter to me for me athletic ability you know I'm, i've got a high mileage 37 so i'm a lot of injuries you know i'm in pain all the time but i'm grateful for you know for what it is and i'm very grateful to have enough athletic ability left at my age to compete in bare knuckle mm -hmm. and you know i want the best lads so i've got three fights next year i'm not not overlooking my opponent on saturday you know anything can happen in bare knuckle who knows how it's gonna go but i want the best lads and i want to make something that you know my kids can look at and say you know that was my dad because mm -hmm. i'll fight any man at 83 kilo you know so line them up no new mate i think you would fight anybody anyway but just how does a kid, how does a kid from Kaleo battles with addiction in and out of prison, full of anger and rage, hates himself basically like then fight at the old in, in Wembley, like bare knuckle, like how did that come about and how was that feeling when that, all that kind of came into fruition? <clears throat> um first of all I couldn't have done it without the programme of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, no way nor how could I have uh, got clean and got the the mindset, you know, to do something like this. I've done boxing, of course, and I've had, uh, you know, 30-odd fights before I started this, but, you know, this opportunity came about and I took it with both hands. And, um, you know, I think what happened in November when we first met Paul, you know, I think that, you know, stood out and was maybe the reason I was contacted, maybe it was. So if I owe anybody a thank you out there, easy thank you, well, you know, there you go. So, um, you know, but... That was on six days notice, you know, full of volume. And, uh, Stardog and Palmos. Stardog and Palmos, you know, and, uh, that was, you know, so I've always had a bit of a, we'll call it the dog. You know, I've always had the dog in us, you know, as long as I can make it back to my two feet, I'll always continue fighting. And I, I do, I, there's that side of us still really loves to fight. You know, I have, it's not at the forefront of me thinking anymore and it's not my go-to emotion it's not what i want to engage with someone just because they're driving 28 mile an hour in the 30s on you know that's that's that part gone but i do love to fight you know and i've nothing nothing like it for me you know you to be in that moment you never feel more alive you know that right that right there right then in that moment is uh it's a feeling that can't be replicated you know by any substance or anything on earth you know it's a, it's a feeling all by itself you know, being in a fight. Do you feel free? Yeah. For that moment, you know. I live and die in your that moment. Go away, your demons are Everything. Everything's gone. I, I can't see why... I can't see anything. I'm just there. Yeah. I can't see or feel anything. You know, I don't even feel punches. I know I, I know when I've been cracked and I know it's gonna be sore in the morning, but it's not so then. You know, I've uh, like I mentioned on my last podcast, you know, I've been stabbed and been shot in the back with a two two and that adrenaline, that's just a marvellous drug. You don't feel anything at the time. <coughs> you know, and that's very much like what it's when it's in there, you don't feel a thing. You know, I feel like I've just, I could just take anything and brilliant feeling. I'm not saying I can beat them all, but I'll definitely fight them all, you know. Ain't it mad how it's all changed in one year though? Not in one year, but everything's small steps to make change. But the year that you've had, like it's totally night and day. Like, see when you're fighting at Wembley, like, what's that feeling before that? Were you proud or were you thinking, I don't deserve this? Were you thinking, Do you know what, this is my time? Like, what's going through your mind? Um, it's funny, you know, because... All the camps I've had before that, which were very relatively small, apart from the amateur days, you know, I was only probably a quarter level of my fitness what I could have been the whole time I was training unlicensed, fighting unlicensed because I was in and out of kitchens all the time. I maybe do two, three sessions that week and, you know, call myself fit. You're just kind of fighting rough, tough lads off the street that have never boxed. And I just used to use my boxing and, you know, I won 10 out of 11 in my unlicensed, not fit. And then there was that event last November, which, you know, went 
how it went. But, um, you know, I've never, ever competed in fighting at the best version of myself. You know, and I'm doing that now. I'm not only, you know, mentally stronger than I've ever been, but I'm physically stronger than I've ever been. I'm punching, I could, I could feel like I could punch a hole in that wall. You know, I just feel so strong at the minute. And, uh, you know, only time will tell how, how far I can go over the next three or four fights. But that particular week, fight week at Wembley was strange because all the work had been put in. And we'd got down there for the weigh-in the day before. Zero nerves, which for me was scary. I didn't like it. We watched the first couple of fights, me and my coach Wayne. And um, I said, Wayne, something wrong here. He said, what? I said, I'm not nervous at all. I mean, I could have went to sleep. That's how calm I was. Could have went to sleep. I'm like, this isn't right, you know, because you need your nerves. You need that nervous energy, the fight fear, the doubts. All that stuff's massively important, you know, in your fight preparation, especially pre-fight on the day. None of it was there. And I was worried that I wasn't going to be strong enough, wasn't going to be dangerous enough because you feed off all that uh, emotion, you know. And um, he, he didn't like it either. You know, it's not normal, really. But when I was getting my hands taped up, they were taping me hands up in the dressing room and it was just like that stabbing feeling in the guts. You know, like you've been caught and you're going to get jailed or, you know, like <laughs> that feeling, that good feeling when you've been caught someone doing something really wrong, that was it, it landed. And I was like, oh, it's here. Them nerves, that nervous energy and all the fear, the doubts, everything, butterflies, you name it, little trembling, slight trembling in my hands, needing a piss, you know, couldn't keep off the toilet. All that stuff was there and I was like, thank God it's there, it came, it's landed. And um the fight was a bit of a blur, to be honest. But I remember looking back at the, the app, the BKFC app, on the bus on the way home. And I was like, yeah, that was all right, that, that was decent, you know. One of the best moments in your life? Yeah. Yeah, probably. It's coming from where you've been to then. Bare knuckle fight, mate. Look, that's fucking scary shit. First of all, proud of you, mate, and, and Thank you've you. stuck to it, mate, and you've done well. And I believe this is only the beginning. What about yourself, Paul? That seeing you became world champion, were you dabbling? Were you taking gear then? Or no, no, no. Or were you I, on a straight path? When, like I said, without fellowship, I wouldn't have been able to do it. You know, when I when I got out of prison, when I was like Danny, I had a bit of a boxing background and unlicensed boxing, and you know, a couple of rough tumbled bare knuckle fights and fields and shit like that. You know, but when I got out of prison. Uh, I delved straight in the fellowship. I just got straight into it, and it, 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 it gave me the ability to be able to, you know, set my set my heights, set my my you know goals like quite high. You know, when I obviously I was just a bit of a boxer, but when I walked into into an MMA gym, which was wasn't there when I when I went to prison, but when I got out of prison, it was there. It was on my doorstep. You know, and I went in, and I knew a lot of guys in there, and you know they offered. Like you can train, you can you can train. You don't need no money. At, me. at the time, I was got the fucking full bank. I was doing everything in my power not to go back to that old lifestyle of earning and you know fucking earning from crime and all that shit. I just didn't. I didn't want to do it. So times were fucking hard, you know. But it was offered to, to me to just go look. You can train here, you know. Stay, keep off out of trouble. Come as much as you want, you know. And when I started training. I fucking loved it, you know, again, I, like I've competed, you know, not at my fittest, you know, not at my best, you know, smoking crack and, you know, I won, I won that Britain's Isle of Stormer, mate, I went for a three-day bender, you know, I've been on fucking MCAT and crack cocaine for three days, I hadn't been to sleep, you know, and I stepped in that ring to fight uh, Wes Smith, it was, it was fucking very tasty, very tough, man, you know, so, 
totally relate to what Danny's saying there, not, not, being, not competing to the best of my ability, where all of a sudden I'm clean, I'm fucking training three, four, five hours a fucking day and I'm loving it, drug free. Oh, the, the possibilities are endless for me. You know, and when I turn pro, K1 kickboxing, um, I had a fight every weekend, every weekend. I wasn't asked about money. I wasn't asked about anything. You know, I was fortunate enough to be earning decent money and get landed decent sponsors. But I just fucking loved it. Again, there's no feeling that matches it. I've never never took any drug that matches any feeling of walking out on the way to the ring or cage because your nerves go then. You know, it's been in the change room. Been, I was, we talked about on the way you went with James. I believe every man needs should experience it. Whether he likes it or not, he needs to experience it at least once in his life. Mm -hmm. Train, step in the ring or cage, have it out, shake hands at the end, see what you think of it. Mm -hmm. Every man should, because there's only a small population of this earth that men, you know, there's a small population of fighters what men can actually train and compete the way we have, the way Danny does. You know, not many men can do it. Even the hardest men on the streets wouldn't be able to handle it because the, the feeling you have waiting in the changing rooms, waiting to fight, can, can cripple you. They almost did me when I first few. I'm not going to lie. It seemed to be every time I was fighting, there was always a fire exit door in the changing rooms. And it done my head in. Because he was just sitting there at it thinking, shall I bail? Shall I just go? And I fucking every ounce of me wanted to, you know, but I never did. I never did. You know, and I remember, it was I think it was my ninth fight, and I was fighting Cal Ewitz. And I mentioned it on the last podcast, there was no fire exit door. You know, and I always remember, like, that's no door, yeah. But it's good because I don't fucking need it. You know, and that was the first time where I had full control of my nerves, full control of my fear, full 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 control of every single emotion that had crippled me on the fights before. You mm -hmm. know, I only got through it because I was super fit. Again, you know, I was living and breathing it. And, um, you know, I still had, all the way up to this fight, I still had nerves walking to the ring. I still had nerves in the ring. They only went when the bell went. But this fight and the rest of my fights after that, the nerves went as soon as I walked out, as soon as they had music. I was good to go. Mm -hmm. I was ready. Mm -hmm. And I knew what I was what I was capable of because of recovery, because of God. And not only that, because I was a hundred percent involved in this fight game. There wasn't just 50-50. Mm -hmm. You know, 50% three or four days of the week. I'm training, you're the 50, I'm off my fucking tits. You know, there was none of that. You know, when I used to box and unlicensed boxing, I used to have a slinky. You know, the old slinkies with like a book, like mm -hmm. a bag bomb. Mm -hmm. I used to have one in me bag me. I used to have about five or six of them before the fight, you know, and sat in the change room. Stinks of weed in here. Nah, that's not me. You know, I just sit there, just smoking weed and eating fucking, I tell you what they were called, opal fruits. They're called Starburst now, aren't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how long ago it was. Bag of opal fruits. I was eating them. Towards the, like, when I got into it properly, like, what everything Danny's just said there, there's, you know, I felt like I'd arrived. You know, I felt like this was what I was meant to do all my life. It was, you know, again, it was just something that, I, it was up there with having my kids. Now, watching my kids being born was the best thing ever in my life. Walking into a ring and not just fighting, but winning as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's up there with having my kids. Yeah. I felt the only time I never had ever suffered with low self-worth was when I was fighting. You know, when I was walking into the ring or cage and when I was training, I never suffered with it. I never had it. I never had no anxiety. I never had low, low self-worth. I knew what I was capable of. I knew what I could do, providing I'd put the effort in, providing I was fit. You know, it was in my hands all the time. You know, and I truly believed, you know, I'd, and it's, it sounds big headed, but I truly believed if any man was in front of me in that ring or cage, he could be better than me all he wants. I know it's only a matter of time before I put him to bed. And that's what I believed. 
you could have put King Kong in front of me. I reckon I'd have put him to sleep. And that was just, that's how confident I was. That's how good, that's how, how, how driven I was. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't fear nothing. I didn't, I, I wasn't worried about anything. I just felt this is my path and this is what I was always meant to do. It was just a shame I was 20 fucking five when I found it, you know, cause that's, and, and I, I say that because I was, a, I was a, I love football, me, James. I was a bang at football. I was a good football player. Now I know what I know about fighting. I'd have never kicked the ball, ever. Never. I've just done combat sports. That's all I would have done. How did you deal with the, the adrenaline dumps? I've had comedians on, fighters. Everybody's brand new. Mm -hmm. Paul Smith on, comedian. Sell it gigs in Newcastle and stuff. Suicidal when he comes home. How did mm -hmm. you deal with the, the kind of adrenaline dump after you'd won a fight? I'd be just back on it. I never give myself a chance to feel any any dump or anything like that. Like I literally, I would literally fight, come home, eat a cheesecake, load of pizzas, I'm back on it the next day. What about you, Danny? Did you struggle after that one? Yeah, yeah, mate, I did indeed. I spoke to my uh, spoke to my lass about it. Um, I big time took a day and a half. Next day I was all right, still buzzing, still watching it back, thinking, wow, oh, you know, good shot, that. Buzzing with myself, and then woke up the day after that. I didn't know what it was, but uh, I know now what it was. And I, you know, I quickly found out what it was after a few hours. You know, I just come to the realization of what it was. All that stuff, all the it's your neurochemistry, isn't it? You know, it's very much I can relate to it, like a come down. Yeah. You know, all your feel good hormones, serotonin, all that stuff, adrenaline all that stuff that makes you feel good naturally. Well, everything that holds all that stuff, you know, it's all shot its bolt because you've had such a, a big feeling of it all. There's, like I said, there's no buzz like it. The best highs are the natural highs. And that for me is the best high that I can ever get naturally being engaged in a fight. Not only that, but then winning a fight in spectacular fashion at Wembley. You know, it was a, a brilliant feeling to say the least. And um, yeah, the next couple of days was not very nice. You know, it took a couple of days to, uh, for my body to level itself out, for my body to build back up them levels of whatever it is that's been missing, whatever it is that's been, you know, shot into your bloodstream and spent. And, um, you know, I was just, I, could, I didn't want to be alone either in them couple of days. You know, I was with my lass. I was with my lass and uh, obviously I was with my kids. But uh, something really missing. It was like a law, a real law. Obviously what goes up must come down. But it's... Uh, you know, you, your chemistry can be cruel that way, you know, when you've you've got no reason whatsoever to be feeling this way, but your body's making you feel that way anyway, because it has to, to level out. You know, you can't, you can't have a high like that. You can't have a feeling like that, you know, which, as I've said, cannot be mimicked or replicated or replaced with anything and expect, you know, not to pay for that. So that's, for me, the, how you pay physically and obviously it just reflects in your, your your mentality because you know your whole thinking and that's all around your hormones isn't it i mean all these feel good hormones aren't there how do you feel shit you know really bad so now and i wasn't expecting it that was the thing i wasn't expecting it coming you know and uh it was hard to deal with i wondered why then the next day i felt a little better next day i felt a little better and within three or four days i was back to normal but oh there was a dip and it was a big one yeah where do you go from here, Danny boy? Um, just the fight game. Yeah, I'll and life in general, fighting, everything. Onwards and upwards, you know, staying clean. Future world champion? Uh, if they can 
get us that fight before next Christmas, before I hang it up and call it a day. You know, I'm not going to be in this game and turn into somebody's punch bag. You know, I wouldn't do it to my kids, but I wouldn't do it to myself. You know, but um, I think I'll beat any 13 stone man that's out there. You know, so if anyone's watching, if you're the best about 13 stone, Isabel will make the fight happen next year. Have gum shield, will travel. Have gum shield, will travel. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll fight them all, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not looking past me opponent on Saturday. But, you know, I think of him, what I think about them all, you know, I'll knock him out. And um, onwards and upwards, you know, get me anybody, absolutely anybody. You know, I want the best lads. I'm, as I've said, I'm, I want to be wrapped in by next Christmas. So I don't want to be fighting mediocre, mediocre anybody, you know. So anybody who fancies it at 82, 83 kilo, you know, if you're the man, you know, get in touch and we'll make it happen next year because I want the best available opponents, you know, and I'll punch them all into the middle of next week. Good on you, brother. What about yourself, Paul? What's the plans for the future? Uh, not really sure, mate. You know, I've got a lot of plans in my head, but just waiting for a few of them to, you know, come come to light. You know, I was wanting to follow the steps of Danny and compete again in the in the BKFC, the bare knuckle. You know, I have spoke to him, and I'd love to compete. You know, I'd love to I'd love to compete again, but I'm having some major issues with my hand at the moment. I don't know where I'm at with that. The movie stuff, you know, I'm hoping that opens a few doors. I've just finished the, the movie role of Lee Duffy. Um, Danny was in it as well. Danny boy. Uh, hmm. Yeah, so I've just played that part and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that opens a few doors. You know, I'm able to land a few parts and acting and whatnot. But listen, anything's possible for me. You know, K1, K1 kickboxing. I've been offered a couple of fights in K1 kickboxing, which I would love to do. You know, I know after after this Christmas, I, I'm open to get the all clear for me and maybe it's compete again, whether it be K1, whether it be bare knuckle, whether it be boxing, I'm not quite sure. But I, all I know is I want to give it another run before I'm 40. See that self-doubt? I know you said you were confident with, mm. was the, at the highest when you were fighting, but as the self-doubt came in, you're getting older, what if you've not got it? What if you get yeah. right up? Like, there's a confidence still there with it. <clears throat> the only time I've ever felt confident and not suffered with low self-worth is when I'm training for a fight. You know, I'm in the ring of cage, I'm sparring. It's the only time I've never suffered with it. All of a sudden, I stopped fighting, what, four years ago? I started getting riddled with anxiety. started worrying about the way I look. You know, you know what he thinks of me. Or you know, it, it, it was a hard thing to deal with because when I first got anxiety, I thought, wow, what the fuck's going on here? You know, and then, you know, my head got the better of me because I was like, you're meant to be a fucking fighter. You're like, what are you doing? worried about that you know and I couldn't help it I couldn't help it again my, my overthinking my obsessive thinking the the obsessive we you know Danny touched on it there the moment he stopped fighting and all of a sudden he's crashing you know I suppose most fighters suffer with that but as an addict it's tenfold because we're obsessed we're, obs we're, we're obsessed with that feeling of feeling fucking great mm -hmm. then when it and you want to hold, your obsession wants to hold on to that to, for as long for, for as long until you die mm -hmm. you know but it's afraid that you know sorry to say that you can't you know so as an addict an obsessive thinker we start to you know to worry about letting it go or to worry about you know worry about everything you know obsessing again uh, my anxiety comes my anxiety comes from things that worrying about things that i don't have or worrying about things that probably aren't going to happen but yet I'll still worry about it and it gives me anxiety. You know, when I was fighting and involved in training and fighting and competing, it wasn't there. It wasn't there because it was fellowship, God, fighting, and that was all I had. Now all of a sudden I stop all that. You know, I start struggling with recovery, I start struggling with my relationship with God. Then anxiety sets in, low self-worth sets in, and that's the story of my life now. You know, I got into recovery so I didn't use drugs. You know, that, that was the whole point of me going and getting into recovery because I didn't want to use. 
or at least I wanted to use like a normal person. That'd have been all right. <laughs> Unfortunately, that never worked out either. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, take away my love of fighting, you know, I struggle, I struggle. You know, I always do, I, I always will, I always do. You know, I know fighters who haven't fought for fucking 10, 15 years, but they'll tell you they're going to box again. You know, they'll tell you, yeah, I'll fight again. You're 45, mate, you're going to fight, you're going to fight, you fought 10 years ago, but they'll still tell you, I'll fight again, I'll fight again. Yeah. I just think it's a healthy way of thinking as a fighter, but having the harsh realisation, you know what, you're not going to fight again. You know, it's probably a fucking hard thing to, to, to deal with, isn't it? Especially yeah. when it's all you, the only thing I've ever been good at in this world is is fighting. You know, it's the only thing I've ever been good at. I was never good at school. I was never good at fucking anything. But where fighting, I was fucking natural. I was good at it. You know, I did, I, but I, you know, you said it as well. You know, I, I didn't need to train to fight me. You know, I, I, I just was fighting and I was fucking good at it. When I trained and give it 100%, I was even better. You know, now, time with the thought of, are you going to fight again or aren't you? It's fucking hard, you know, it's hard to, to realise, oh, you might not fight ever again, are you? You know, I think, no, no, I fucking will, I will. And then once I make a decision, yeah, I'm going to fight again. It was only a few months ago, I was saying, you know, yeah, I'm going to fucking fight, I'm, I'm fighting. Next thing you know, I fucking can't even grab a knife and fork. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, fucking hell, what's going on here? Do you worry about that, Danny? Like, you're getting that natural buzz, you're getting a lot of attention, you're making a bit of money to then basically fucking stop <clears throat> where you could end up. A little bit. But, um... You know, I'm just, as I've said, very grateful enough to have the athletic ability that I've got to compete for another year. Year's a long time. If I can get three in, if I can get four in next year, then I will. But, um, you know, listen, my face is, face is going to be uh, well and truly rearranged, you know, by next Christmas. But I can, <laughs> I can handle that. You know, I've got the last that I want. Vanity's kind of gone. You know, I'm, I'm not really bothered. But uh, it's my hands and, you know, my health, my head. You know, it's not. A, I do take a lot of punches. I have a lot of holes in my game, and I get that macho thing sometimes where I just think I can eat people's punches in there, and it's it's not ideal for longevity in a, in an, anything really. You know, never mind the sport, but more so life. You know, I want to uh, concentrate fully on my life. You know, and just making constant improvements. You know, this continuation of spiritual enrichment, clean time. You know, the program's a big part of my life. You know, I've got a lot of things that in mind that I want to do. I want to give back. I want to, you know, I want to be a coach. I want to be attached to, a, you know, an amateur club. You know, I want to, I want to be a coach. I, w I want what I used to think about my coaches when I was an amateur. These people who spend three, four times a week in a gym, not getting paid, you know, they're on, they're lucky if they get the diesel covered, driving kids all over the country to compete. You know, I looked at them and I loved them people. You know, and some of them are still doing it now, you know. They're giving back, you know what I mean? They're giving something to kids, you know what I mean? And that's that's what I'd like to do. And that's what I'm going to do, for that matter. But um, to do that, you know, I need all my faculties about us and I need to be not punch drunk, you know. So I don't plan on sticking around long enough when I'm going to be anybody's divvy. You know, I feel dangerous. I think I'll beat them all. And uh, next Christmas, we're going to wrap it in. No matter what happens, I'm done. Go for it, brother. Listen, lads. This conversation today is a very powerful conversation. This conversation today is going to change lives. It's going to help people. Both you should be proud of how far you have come, what you've achieved. And this is only the beginning to what you are going to achieve in the future. For anybody that's watching, Paul, that's in the darkness, that's struggling, thinks there's no way out, what advice would you have for them? Reach out. Talk about it. Don't sit alone with it. You know, I've done that. I've sat alone with it. You know, I've not spoke about it. When people have asked me if I'm all right, I've just said, yeah. I've nodded, yeah, I'm sound. When truly I haven't. 
you know, and where that where that's led me to, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. You know, I definitely wouldn't. You know, I know I've spoke about my struggles and, and what I struggle with today, but trust me, my life is a whole lot better. You know, my life's good. You know, yeah, I still suffer with certain stuff and mental health and low self-worth, but let me tell you something, it will not win me. On a daily on a daily basis, I beat mental health and addiction every single day. I beat it. I beat it. And it's not hard. I tell you what is hard, living with it on your own, not reaching out and not spot not talking about it. If you're out there struggling with it, reach out. Drop someone a message. Anyone. You know, talk about it. Nycox Anonymous is a 12-step program that will set you free from active addiction. You'll never be recovered, but you can live in recovery. What about yourself, Danny, for anybody that's in the struggle? What advice would you have for them, brother? Um, that was brilliant, that Paul, mate. Well done. Um, yeah, you know, from my experience, Narcotics Anonymous works. You know, it's, it's tried and tested, isn't it? You know, I mean, I often try not to think about, but I can't help sometimes think about, you know, what could I have, what could I have achieved if I had this mindset X amount of years ago? You know, and I've got to, I've got to check myself because that time, that person didn't exist. You know, for anyone watching, you know, it, it does exist. You know, you can make the changes now. Don't wait. You don't need to wait. You know, it's been said in this podcast a few times, you know, nobody's promised tomorrow. Nobody's promised tomorrow. So why wait? You know, if you've got loved ones that you need to make amends to, if you've got anything in your life that you really want to do, things that you might have been putting off, it could be talking to people, it could be talking about your feelings, it could be making up with loved ones, it could be doing, pursuing anything, a certain career, could be getting clean, whatever it is, do it now. Why wait? Do it now. Why go to sleep tonight and not do it? Start making plans today. Make plans today, you know, because, you know, you want a, you want a life, you want to improve your life, you want all the things that this beautiful experience called life, this world, this universe can offer. Do it now. Go for it now. Nobody will give you it. Get out there and get it yourself. Mm -hmm. What's your social medias and stuff, guys? Paul, what's your socials, YouTube and stuff? Get people uh, following. YouTube's Paul Venice K1. Um, Instagram, Paul Venice 22. TikTok, Paul Venice 22. My TikTok, I'm not dancing or anything like that. I'm just <laughs> talking about mental health and addiction and stuff. So. <laughs> Danny Boy. Uh, yes, mate. Uh, YouTube, The Real Danny Christie. Um, Instagram, Need Davies Round Ear Mush. <laughs> and um, you know, just a quick shout out to a few people, if that's all right. Of course, James. mate, do what you've got to do. Um, shout out to my kids, Archie, Sophie, Lily, Georgie, and DJ. Uh, big shout out to my coach, Wayne, who got us in tip top shape. Aggie Faulkner, Gary Fox, Danny Wall, um, and me, me, me management group, Bloodsport Management. You know, thank you to every one of them. Pleasure, lads. Listen, absolutely phenomenal. Thank you, James. Proud of you, Danny. Paul, proud of you, man. Listen, like I says, this is going to change a lot of lives, man. And if anybody that's in the struggle, get in contact with myself, Paul or Danny. That both been in the struggle, both get out of it. But listen, proud of you, man. I wish you all the best for the future, guys. Thank you. Cheers, bro. Podcast Network.